Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. We have a special broadcast entitled Family Finances During and After the Coronavirus pandemic. And this is actually going to be a two-part series. But before I get any further in the financial aspect of dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, I want to let you know that we did three special broadcasts on natural ways to strengthen your immune system, which seems to be such a key for helping people. And if you go to our podcast of these radio shows, it's episodes 275, 278, and 279. And you can get those on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And again, that was episodes 275, 278, and 279. And just by way of an encouragement, Dr. Brownstein, I've just came across an article by him this morning. He's a regular doctor, and his practice includes other physicians. They've treated 100 coronavirus victims, from those who had some of the mild symptoms to some who had the acute symptoms, and they've had success in healing 100 of their 100 coronavirus cases using vitamins A, C, D, zinc, and a few other things. So that's Dr. Brownstein, but you'll get about 90% of what he is using by just getting those three podcasts. Now, today we're going to talk about family finances. Again, we're stepping out a little bit because not everybody is doing this. So I'm going to give a disclaimer. And usually every time I give a disclaimer, these end up to be real popular radio shows. So hang on for the disclaimer. On today's show, we intend only to give general information on family finances. We are not offering specific or professional investment advice, but only sharing general information for educational purposes. Furthermore, we are not guaranteeing that our views on the future economic conditions we're talking about will be correct. We strongly recommend that you do not make any financial decisions based solely on what we share in today's show. We recommend consulting a reputable financial professional along with advice from family members before making any financial decisions. Now, here we are facing two crises in the United States. Obviously, we have a health crisis, but right along with that, we're facing an economic crisis. And there's people on both sides as which should we be focusing on more. And for families, it's very obvious that both are immensely important. And the current financial crisis is having an immense effect upon families. Let me just tell you about one family I've talked to, young family, uh, three children. Husband has a good job, but it's kind of a unique position. And so if he happened to lose that job, it would be very difficult to find another position similar, very easily at least. So here he is, married, three children, a mortgage, and his corporation was laying off over 200 people last week, and they were told to watch their email between 1 and 5 o'clock because if they were going to be laid off, they would be getting an email. And so here this husband and wife, 
we're sitting at the computer hitting the refresh button, hitting the refresh button, waiting to see if the axe is going to fall. And that lost his job, very likely lose their home. You know, this is very serious stuff and it's going to have a huge impact on families. So what do you do then? So uh, I read today that uh, unemployment just for the past four weeks is now reaching 22 million people. I happen to know that businesses are already bankrupt. Uh, one of the great Catholic service providers for us here in this Family Life Center has closed the doors permanently. They're not opening back up. They're gone. So, and then I don't really understand this, but I have a guest maybe can interpret this for us because I don't understand. But I remember not too long ago, a barrel of oil, crude oil, was selling for $100 a barrel. And yesterday went into the negative territory, like it was minus $16 a barrel. And then I hear it went to 30 plus dollars a barrel, which I don't quite understand how that works. But it says to me, there's just some trouble going on in the world economic system, not just in our neighborhoods. So um, your host, that's me, Steve Wood, thinks that the economic crisis is going to have a profound impact on families. And that's why we are having this broadcast. And for this broadcast, I invited as my guest, Robert Van Norden, to share his thoughts with you. He's a seasoned financial professional. We've had Bob on faith and family before, particularly back in the crisis of, what was it, 2008, 2009, and our listeners begged to have him back on back then. Bob has a master's degree from Columbia University and has 20 years experiencing working as a broker on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Bob, thanks so much for joining us on Faith and Family. Steve, it's my privilege to be back. And I'm sorry I only invite you here when it's impossible situations going on in crises. I mean, this isn't easy. You know, 40% stocks, 60% bonds or whatever the reverse of it. And don't go into debt too much and everything will be fine. Everything isn't fine, is it? Everything is certainly not fine. I mean, uh, you can just take a look at, at families, as you just mentioned before, looking around and don't know if their jobs are going to be there in the next month, two months even in the next week, and uh, what the, ram the ramifications of that are, are could be very serious. Now, um, let's just say, like here in South Carolina, a lot of things opened up today around midday, and some people are saying going to be a V-shaped recovery, and my understanding of that is like, well, we open our doors back up, everything's back the way it was before this started. Yes. Others are on a different opinion. What's what's your view? And again, we're not infallible. We're just trying to help people. Yeah, a lot of this is guesswork. But <clears throat> a V-shaped recovery would be. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, that would be. You know, we'd kind of get right back to right on the on the tracks. Of course, our uh, president, our politicians are, are are hoping for that. Of course, but that's what they do. They you know they want to uh, to, to breed uh, some sort of hope out there. Uh, but a V-shaped recovery is going to be boy, that's going to be. It's a hard one to, it's a hard one to justify right now that this economy is going to get back to where it was three months ago in one quick hurry. Uh, the ramifications of what's happening, even if even if he, if things open up on a step-by-step -step basis, starting even now, uh, I mean, the, just, I mean, really, uh, who's going to run back into restaurants? 
uh, right away, thinking that there still may be a virus around. And if they do go back to restaurants, I mean, the the government regulations on these things are, are going to be quite prohibitive in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, restaurants may be only have a chance to be at half capacity from what they were. Can they can they even break even at half capacity? I mean, I mean, almost any sector you look at, it's so widespread. Theaters, arenas, stadiums. What about the airlines? Nevertheless, cruise ships. All travel, especially international travel, but even domestic travel. Great implications on, on this virus and what's going on in, in the country. Very hard to discern that this is going to bounce back in one quick hurry. It looks like a, if, at best it's going to be a step-by-step -step process that could be quite lengthy. Now, this is, this is a question that... Uh, is not really being addressed. And I think part of the reason is politics has basically covered economics. And I'm not just talking about liberal progressives. I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats. It seems like the economy has taken on your political view. In other words, I remember Fox News endlessly says, you know, the Trump economy is the best economy everywhere. And I'm just I'm a registered Republican. I've never voted for a Democrat in my life. That's just full disclosure. That's not a political statement. I just don't want anybody to put a pipe bomb in my mailbox. Okay. But really, was the economy the best ever before the coronavirus started? And I have a follow-up question. I'll just go ahead and give it to you. Somebody said that the coronavirus didn't pop our economy. It was just a pin that popped a bubble. Now, which is it? Well, were, were we the best ever or were we a bubble ready, ready to be popped? Well, there's a lot of truth in, that, in, the, in the latter explanation there. I mean, certainly we were an economy that was humming along at quite a nice clip. Uh, as you know, jobless claims were down at historic lows. Uh, people felt the consumer confidence was very high. Uh, we had an economy that seemed to be humming. But below the surface, we have an ongoing problem of debt. And the administration before this one doubled the debt in eight years. But this administration uh, has continued to, to try to buy time by borrowing more and more. I mean, just today, I mean, we're, we have a national deficit now of $23 trillion, and that's about to explode even further with the these virus aid packages that are being handed out. I mean, this this could go to $25, $26, $27 trillion real quick. Uh, this is a, a real disease underlying the surface of our economic uh, health. Wouldn't it be fair to say that there's almost like a thread, a subsurface thread from the crisis when we had you here is a little over a decade ago, talking about how to recover from the housing crisis and all that, which was an over-indebtedness crisis. Right. And we solved that, so to speak, by more debt, which is illogical. Right. I, it's just simply illogical. You can't solve a debt crisis with debt. And when we spoke 10 years ago, that was certainly our view then, that uh, the market uh, could be in a uh, more serious problem than it was at the time. Um, the government, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, both uh, decided to re-stimulate the economy. 
Um, I did not think they could get away with it personally, but they did, and they did in spades. Uh, with the QE, the, the QE's uh, loaning, uh, they bailed out the banks. They made money very easy, and the economy went right back up and and started humming again. And we're a market was that was down around the seven or eight thousand level, as I remember it back then. It went to just recently, what two two months ago was almost thirty thousand. Was a twenty nine five on the Dow. So it was a remarkable run in stocks and in what seemed to be economic uh, recovery. I mean, real estate flew again. Uh, jobs were, were, were solid. Uh, but as we said, there's, there's an underlying disease there, and all we did was cover it up. Now, in good times, one is supposed to reduce debt. That's when you reduce debt is in the good times. In these good times, all we did was increase debt. That's that's a real problem. And so, in other words, it's like if a person took antibiotics all the time rather than just when you're really sick, when you really need them, by the time you really need them, they're not going to do any good because of the immunities that have been built up to whatever bacteria that's causing you to be sick. And this is exactly the problem, Steve. I mean, at this stage now, if we go back into more QE lending, uh, the, all these stimulus programs that are being uh, set forth to try to get people back on their feet, you know, the more the debt continues to pile up, the less likely these things are going to have a, uh, a rewarding effect. And we just no, it's impossible to discern whether this is going to be a time where it doesn't work or if they're going to buy some more time or not. But uh, again, the, the, the basis remains the same. We have, a, we have a real disease underlying here, and we are not addressing it. Now, explain to our listeners what the, uh, is a world reserve currency. The dollar has a very unique position in the modern world. Correct. And uh, you look at different countries like Venezuela, Argentina, I know several times, Zimbabwe, um, Germany before World War II. They start printing a lot of money. And it seems that we can get away with it because we have this reserve currency status. But couldn't piling up all this debt give some other countries a pause by – Honoring our dollars for their stuff? Well, this is a problem. I mean, obviously, those countries that have a, a big stake in having bought our debt, uh, they have a, a lot of influence in terms of turning it off. If they wanted to start to redeem some of this, some of the uh, the debt that they've purchased in terms of bonds, treasury bonds, et cetera, and that's especially the case for countries like China, uh, that, that could, could create a problem for us. If we lost the special status of the world's reserve currency. And this has happened in the past. I understand Portugal had it for a time. Great Britain had it for a time. And uh, it, it's all gone. Um, if we lost that, what would happen to the American middle class as we know it, which has been the miracle of all human history, really, as far as lifting people to a standard of living? It's certainly been the backbone of this country. And uh, and quite quite evidently uh, a, a, dr a dramatic drop in the dollar in our purchasing power would just be crushing on a middle class. Uh, the you know the white blue collar workers who are, who are not 
overly affluent uh, sectors of the society and kind of getting by, you know, either day to day or uh, year to year, if they're if they're fortunate in that regard, would be tremendous implications in terms of how they're going to be able to function going forward. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to ask a series of questions that might get me knocked off search engines. <laughs> Again? <other> <laughs> okay, that's a nervous laugh. Okay. But um, what is the health of the U.S. banking system? Let's go back, first of all, if you don't mind, because <clears throat> you, you were right in New York and still connected very much so with the housing crisis, debt crisis. What, right. what Did we almost lose it? I mean, entirely well, lose I it? I thought we came real close in 2008, 9, 10 in that area. Remember when when this be- it became a very a real deflationary wave uh, where, I mean, the stock market got riddled. I mean, things came almost to a, an abrupt stop uh, and real estate took it really big on the chin very shortly thereafterwards. Uh, the banking situation had, you know, the... the what had happened is they had lent out big money into the real estate sector uh, with very, little, very limited money down, 0% to 5% in numerous cases. I think to some extent that was also because the government intervened and kind of, kind of put the pressure on these banks to lend to less than worthy uh, credit, credit uh, holders so that they could have their own homes. Uh, that and the and the usual you know greed of capitalism when it's unfretted uh, in the banks led to a, a, an over leveraging uh, of their financial situation and and this is what precipitated that collapse uh, that the that the government was was able to step in and stop the slide uh, but as we said. Here we are again, the banks are doing the same thing they did back in 2007, 2006, 2008, before that debacle, and they're right back lending the same to these 5% loans and real estate's going crazy. Uh, can the government get away with it again? Boy, that's, it's a hard pill to swallow. There is a financial newsletter writer by the name of Chuck Butler, and he asked this question. Why did the New York Federal Reserve have to pump $9 trillion in cash to Wall Street banks since September 17th of last year if they are so well capitalized? Is that saying they've just kept very little and loaned out too much? Is that, in a nutshell, what's going on? It may very well be. Uh, you know, the, the, the banking situation, you know, supposedly on, on paper, Looks looks pretty solid, but again, underneath, we may have some real problems going on again in terms of the, uh, the money that's been lent out. Golly, if you look around just here in here in our hometown of Greenville, the, the, the amount of building that's happened just in this city in the last five years has been staggering. And one wonders, I mean, with all the apartment complexes going up and housing complexes going up, I mean, do we really have that many people that can that can take on that supply? And it's very easy to say, well, you know, housing, you know, there, there aren't many housing uh, situations right now. Uh, 
It's hard to find a good house at a price right now. There's not that many around. Well, that's, that, that can be an illusion because there's an awful lot of houses out there, and all you need is a real downturn in the economy, and all of a sudden there could be a lot of houses that are available. And that means big troubles for the banks who have lent this money out to them, whether they go into default, and all of a sudden these banks could be holding monumental pieces of property again. Now, here's the question I was building up to, <laughs> the previous question. Could there be bank runs? Well, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, that happened uh, again, uh, you know, 100 years ago or yep. 90 years ago back yep. in, the, in the Great Depression. Uh, that is something that's not out of the question. You, you hate to think in those regards. You hate to and you think that the government, oh, geez, they can intervene like they did 10 years ago and, you know, and we'll be fine. And I, I hope they can, but golly, it's it's getting more and more troublesome. Now, back a little over a decade ago, we had you on. We're facing the housing debt crisis, and I think we're in agreement that we just are in phase two it of a debt crisis. It certainly okay. seems that way. Uh, you encourage families to try to keep a reserve of cash, correct, uh, in some safe place, and. Uh, you said six months if you can do it. I know that's the Dave Ramsey uh, advice, which I'm sure a lot of people who follow that are happy right now. Right. Or a month or two if you can. But um, because this isn't over, this could come back. You know, viruses come back uh, late fall and have cold and flu season. And this is another problem, Steve. We see we're talking about a, a, a stage, a step-by-step recovery here, which could take some time. But what happens if six months from now, this virus reemerges again. I mean, a lot of these businesses that are that are trying to reopen now, if they get hit a second time, I mean, the, the recovery is going to be awfully difficult. And, and those are jobs. Businesses equals jobs. That's and what it means. So would you recommend as much as possible, even though people are tightening their belts as it is with what's going on, people are concerned, maybe even fearful, um, should they... Even with belt tightening, try to build up a cash reserve. I, I think that's a, 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 a very, a very good thing to be doing is is building up as much cash reserve as as, as your family can can take. Uh, we just don't know what the situation is going to be like six months from now, a year from now, and the the more cash you have in reserve uh, for any calamities that come out of this, has got to has got to be a godsend. The only problem with that is if we go into a hyperinflationary situation, well, then your cash isn't worth what it was. But it's still, for the, for the time being, boy, it's, if cash is king right now. And would you <laughs> – I feel really bold today. So would you recommend that reserve in a – Money market fund, a bank, or taking it out of the system. <clears throat> I would certainly, I would certainly like to see part of it taken out of the system. I think you know, again, if there's a real collapse, goodness only knows what's going to happen with the system. There could be a real problem in getting getting to your money if it's in a bank. I don't care if it's in a safe deposit box or what. You may not be able to get access to that bank. Government just turns around and just says, okay. You know, we're going to put a hold on on everything for the for the for the near term. We don't know how long that could be. 
you, you won't be able to get access to it. So having access uh, to your cash, it, it just seems to be a, a worthwhile situation to have. And I appreciate your answering that because I could call up 100 financial experts and 99 wouldn't give me an answer that you just did. And I think that's the right answer myself. Yeah, I mean, really, most well, most financial analysts are in the business to to invest your money, not yes. not to have you hold on to it. And uh, and and you know, but I still think a, a a decent portion of it to be held on to that you have ready access to is uh, it can be a very smart idea. Now, partially because of your warnings to me, uh, we have some of our savings and one of the largest nationally known mutual funds, supposed to be rock solid and everything else. But I got in small print a mailing from our mutual fund that says the SEC has put in place a new framework that will enable a mutual funds board of directors to address a run on the fund by imposing redemption fees or even suspending redemptions. Uh-oh. Suspending <laughs> redemption. Now, this was in uh, 2014 after the crisis of 2008, 2010 and right. such. But this is still in place. Uh-huh. And, I mean, this is very <laughs> concerning to me personally to think that, okay, you go down to your bank and – oops, we're suspending withdrawals or limiting to so much a month. And now you, oh, well, we'll go to our mutual fund. And all of a sudden, because everybody kind of like toilet paper at Costco. (laughs) If you just buy toilet paper regularly and whatever, but if everybody wants it at once. Everybody wants it at once. It's a real problem. And uh, this is is disconcerting uh, because the possibility is there. I mean, it's happened before in history. It's certainly happened in many countries uh, that it could happen here. We hate to think that it could, but, hey, it really really could. And uh, there could be a moratorium on getting into your your bank account, which, by the way, could include your treasuries, too, which is the safest investment you could have out there. The government could turn around one day and just say, hey— you know, we're, we're going to have a moratorium on, on, the, on the repayment of debt. And, uh, you know, you won't be able to, to cash back your, uh, your six-month bond or, or bill uh, for, you know, for let's say another nine to ten months. And then let's take a look at it from there. We'll see what we, we do from there. Maybe, maybe you get 80% back on your money, maybe 50% back on your money. It, it's, you know, you, you hate to think of something like that being possible, but in, in dire situations, it could be. Okay. Well, Bob, I really appreciate your being with us, and thank you for coming back next episode so we can offer some practical suggestions for families. I know this broadcast has been very concerning, but I'd rather share truth than fluff, (laughs) and we'll offer some very practical steps in our next episode. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.